Good morning and welcome to our worship service. We're glad that you're here today. We're always thankful for the opportunity to be together. We trust that our worship will be profitable to you. It might be the case that you're looking for a church home. As always, we encourage you to consider the work here. We're thankful for those that have placed membership and those who might be looking for a church home. We would, we would like to know that you would consider us and that you would think about working with us. We'd love to have you. We're so grateful for the opportunity to try to make a difference in this community. We're going to be looking today at 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to be talking about getting back to the basics of spiritual growth. And I want us to look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, as we think about getting back to the basics. And really when we talk about getting back to the basics, we're emphasizing the importance of getting back to the basis of growing spiritually. When football camp begins in August, coaches will typically emphasize the fundamentals. The same is true with any sport. There is always a great deal of emphasis on the fundamentals. By the same token, when it comes to living a spiritual life and living for God, sometimes we forget the basics. And so sometimes there's a need for us to go back and to just remind ourselves of the basics. How do I grow spiritually? Does God want me to grow spiritually? Well, the answer would be, yes, God wants us to grow spiritually. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the question is, how do we grow? How is it possible for us as children of God to grow spiritually? I want to begin by, first of all, talking about the basis for our spiritual growth. And I want you to look with me, if you would, at verses 3 and 4. Listen to what Peter said, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I want to begin by talking about the fact that the scriptures are the source of our spiritual growth. Peter said that God has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that we need to know about life in Christ and godly living has been supplied. How so? By God's Word. You see, the Word is inspired. That's what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is inspired of God. In verse 20 of chapter 1 in 2 Peter, Peter said, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. In other words, it didn't originate with man. He said, for prophecy never came by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved or borne along by the Holy Spirit. And so the word that we're talking about, that is the scriptures, is God-breathed. It is inspired of God. Not only is it inspired, 
but it is instructive or informative. You remember what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. God's Word reveals unto us all the things that pertain to life and godliness. Furthermore, in this Word, we have been given, as Peter said, exceedingly great and precious promises. Sometimes we talk about there are certain facts that must be believed. There are commands to be obeyed. There are promises to be enjoyed. And so when we look at the Word, we find that God instructs us on how to live. And so when I think about the source of our spiritual growth, I think about the Scriptures. When I think about the sufficiency for our spiritual growth, I think about the Scriptures because, you see, God's Word is all-sufficient in the realm of giving us what we need to grow spiritually. Think about it this way. We are said to be called by the Word. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, at verse 14, Paul said we have been called by the gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we preach the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In Romans 1, verse 16, not only are we called by the gospel, but we are cleansed by the gospel. We are cleansed by the word. Jesus said in John 15, verse 3, You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken unto you. I think about the words of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1, when he said, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. When I obey the truth, that is, this system of faith that has been once for all delivered, then I enjoy cleansing from sin. Think about the words, if you would, of John, when he said unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood. Or the apostle Paul, when he talked about his conversion to Christ and how Ananias had said to him, Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So we're called by the word, we're cleansed by the word, and then thirdly, we are controlled by the word. And we talk about God's word being inspired and instructive. And God's word being the source of our spiritual growth. And the fact that it is sufficient for our spiritual growth. When I become a child of God, what I'm really saying is, Jesus is going to be the Lord, the master, the one who reigns or rules in my life. I'm saying, you know what, I'm not going to be the captain of my own ship. I'm going to let God dictate to me how he wants me to live. And so in Colossians chapter 3, at verse 16, Paul said, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. God's word must find a home in my heart. And then it governs my life. How do I know that? Because in verse 17, he said, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So God's word controls my life. It contributes ultimately to my spiritual growth. Now, I want you to think with me in the second place of the building blocks that will ultimately lead to spiritual growth. And look with me, if you would, at verse 5. In verse 5, Peter begins talking about some characteristics or traits 
that will enable us to grow spiritually. Paul taught in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, that we ought to take spiritual inventory of our lives. He said, examine yourselves. Sometimes it's good to just take inventory, see where you stand, spiritually speaking. Are we growing? Are we growing as God would have us to grow? Well, here's some traits or characteristics that we are to build upon. Granted, some traits, some characteristics may be easier to acquire than others. But listen, if you would, to what Peter said. But also for this very reason, he said, giving all diligence add to your faith. Now, faith is the basis for the Christian life, isn't it? You remember what the Hebrew writer said? Without faith, it's impossible to be well-pleasing to God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek after him. So I've got to have faith in Almighty God. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. So I've got to be a person of faith. I am living by faith. Too many times we walk by sight, not by faith. We walk by faith as directed in God's holy word. But Peter said, he said, I want you to give diligence to these things. And I want you to earnestly strive to build upon your faith. So what are the characteristics that will enable me to grow my faith? What are the building blocks? Well, Peter said, add to your faith virtue. The word virtue means a desire, an intense desire to do what's right. When, when I think about this, this idea of wanting to do what's right, there are passages of Scripture, there are examples in the Old Testament of people that had a desire to do what was right, even though it might have cost them in many respects. What about Joseph? You remember Joseph? The Bible tells us that he'd been so, he had been sold into a foreign land. He had risen to prominence under Potiphar. Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. And his reaction, how can I do this great wickedness in the sight of God? I'm reminded of Daniel. Daniel was cast into a den of lions because he prayed to God. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, men that would not recant their faith even though it would cost them. In the New Testament, in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, the apostles said we ought to obey God rather than men. So here's this desire to do what's right. It may not be popular. It may not win me any friends, but here's, here's the bottom line. I'm going to do what's right because this is what I believe is right based on Scripture. So, Peter said, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge. We're to grow in knowledge. That's what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3. The knowledge that he's talking about is an understanding of the will of God. And knowing the will of God to the point that I can make the right decisions. In other words, I know that this is right. This is true. This is good. On the other hand, I can see this is wrong. This is bad. This is evil. 
Well, how do I make that discernment? By God's word. You remember Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14? Those who have exercised their senses to discern good and evil. How do they do that? By the word. So I'm filling my mind with the word of God. As Paul said, I'm allowing the word of God to find a home in my heart. And I'm equipping myself so that I can make intelligent decisions. I understand that there are a lot of philosophies, a lot of theories that are floating in the world. There are a lot of people that propagate a lot of different things. But I'm going to ground or root my life in knowledge, the knowledge that comes from the Word of God. As Solomon said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To know what God says, this is what God wants me to do. And then note if you would, he says not only are we to add, virtue, to, add to virtue knowledge, but he said to knowledge self-control. Some translations may say temperance. And the idea is that we are in control of our mental, physical, and spiritual facilities or faculties. In other words, there are some things that maybe I want to do, but I'm not going to do because I know God doesn't want me to do that. It's not always easy keeping our mind and our body in check. But what Peter is saying is you need, you need to gain mastery over your faculties. There was a slogan that was used many years ago with regard to drugs. And the adage was, just say no. That's what Peter's saying. You've got to learn to say no. Some people can't say no. Some folks just cannot say no when it comes to any and everything. And so Peter's saying, look, you're going to have to develop this, this characteristic, this trait in your life. It'll serve you well. One of the reasons why some people cannot live as, as they should for Christ is because they haven't acquired this trait in their life. And so when worldly things come their way, they just indulge. You remember what Paul said in Titus chapter 2? The grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to every man, instructing us to the intent that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. There's the idea. We're going to say no to certain things because they're ungodly. They're worldly. And we're going to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And then he says, add to your self-control perseverance. Again, some translations may say patience. The idea is you're going to have an enduring spirit. You're going to be able to bear up under the loads and trials and tribulations of life. Job said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. I don't know of many people that don't have some kind of trouble in life. As a Christian, are we sometimes sub subjected to trials and tribulations? Yes. You remember James in James chapter 1? said, count it all joy when you fall into manifold trials, manifold temptations. We face those outward trials in life. They come in the form of sickness, illness, disease. We talk about the loss of a job, the loss of income, the loss of a family member or a friend. And yet in verse 12, James said, blessed is the man that endures temptation. In other words, here's somebody who endures the trials of life. And the promise is the crown of life. So I've got to run, as the Hebrew writer said, the Christian race with 
endurance, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was said before him endured the cross. And so Jesus is my great example. So I'm going to persevere through the trials and tribulations of life. And then he said, you need to add to your perseverance godliness. That is a fear for God, reverence for God, godlikeness. We live in a culture today where many people no longer have respect or reverence and awe for deity. A lot of people take the name of God in vain. They don't realize that there is a God and that this God is the superintendent, the sovereign ruler of the universe. And since the world belongs to God, God has the right to dictate how we live and God wants us to live like Him. He wants, to, he wants us to be God-like. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul talked about how we brought nothing into this world and he said it's certain we can carry nothing out. In light of the temporary nature of life, the transitory nature of riches and materialism and things, he said to Timothy, you follow after righteousness and godliness. Our world today needs a dose of godliness. And those of us who are Christians, we can show people what it means to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. And then he concludes by talking about brotherly kindness and love. Loving one another. The basics of Christianity, the basics of spiritual growth. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1, to let brotherly love continue. The Bible over and over again talks about the importance of loving one another. You remember Jesus when he was asked, what's the great commandment in the law? He said, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. He said, this is the first and great commandment. He said, a second like unto it is this, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. He said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. So, demonstrating love for one another. And then, this whole concept of love. It is identified by Paul as the bond of perfection in Colossians 3 at verse 14. So here are some building blocks. Here are some things that we can build upon, and in so doing, we grow spiritually. What about the blessings of spiritual growth? Are there blessings afforded us if we grow spiritually? Well, I would answer that by saying yes. Listen now to what Peter says about the blessings afforded us as we grow spiritually. First of all, I want you to think with me for just a moment about the danger of short-sighted saints. Here's what Peter said in verse 8. If these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Some translations say he cannot see afar off. And the idea is, here's somebody who is nearsighted. They can't see off into the distance. And sometimes what happens as Christians we don't see clearly. We can't see clearly. We've been blinded, so to speak. I think here's what Peter's saying. 
when we don't grow as we should as children of God, what that suggests is we just don't get it. In other words, we haven't gotten it when it comes to living the Christian life. We haven't gotten it that when we became children of God, we were saying, this is everything. This is, this is going to be the apex of my life. This is going to be everything for me. I'm going to live and breathe Christianity. Here's what Jesus said. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Or Paul in Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, when he said, For Christ, who is our life? There are some folks, they haven't grown spiritually. They can't see afar off. They're so concentrated on the things of life, the here and now. They don't look down years from now. They don't think about what's going to happen at the end of time. What's going to happen to my spiritual life as I grow older? Sometimes they waste their talents. They waste their time. They waste their treasures. The bottom line, they just don't get it. And what Peter's saying is, look, you've got to grow. How many people have you known that have gone back into the world? At one time, maybe they were on fire for the Lord. And then gradually they began to sink lower and lower into the mire of the world. And what happens is they forget. They forget they belong to God. They forget that they have been born of God. They forget that they've been washed from sin. They're living as the world lives. Now, the flip side of that is the delight of growing saints. Listen again to what Peter said in verse, in verse 8. He said, if these things are yours and abound, he said, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look, if you would, at verse 10. Therefore, brethren... Be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to think about this for a minute. A child of God who is growing, as he or she should, is number one, fruitful. We're growing and we're bearing fruit. Jesus said, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. You bear fruit by how you live. You bear fruit by leading others to Christ. You bear fruit by being the light of the world, the salt of the earth, etc. But you are fruitful. You're not barren. Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. What kind of fruit are you bearing in your life? Are you bearing fruit? And then secondly, those who are growing, they're faithful. Is it possible for me to live in such a way so that I will never, ever stumble? Now, does that mean I'm not going to make mistakes? No. Nobody's perfect. But I know this, if I'm doing my dead level best, if I'm giving it everything I have day in and day out, if I'm trying to walk in the light, and live for Almighty God, if I'm trying to grow as a Christian, then the bottom line is this. 
I'm not going to stumble. I'm not going to fall prey to the world. I'm not going back into the world. Why? Because I have determined in my mind I'm going to live for God come what may. As Jesus said, be faithful until death. And the promise is the crown of life, Revelation 2.10. Well, what about my future? If I live as I ought to live, if I'm growing as I ought to grow, do I have a future? Absolutely. Listen to what Peter said. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're a child of God and you're growing as you ought to grow and you're living as you ought to live and you're doing as you ought to do, then you have, as Peter said, an abundant entrance into the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When I think about going to heaven and I think about living the Christian life, I want to be like the Apostle Paul. I want to have so much confidence. I want to have so much assurance in my faith in Christ that I can say, you know what, if I die, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me in that day, and not to me only, but to all them that have loved disappearing. Here's Paul. He's on, he's on death row, as we would say. And he said, I fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I finished the course. He said, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. If you're living a Christian life and you're growing as you ought to grow, and you're doing your dead level best, let me tell you what, heaven's your home. You can claim that. Listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He said, for we know that if our earthly house, this tabernacle be destroyed, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands. Can I know that I'm going to heaven? You better believe I can. Remember what John said, these things I've written to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. When I'm growing and going forward in Christ, I'm growing closer to Him day by day, aren't I? And the assurance is that there will be supplied to me abundantly this everlasting kingdom to know one day I can go home and be with God. There are a lot of folks in our world today they don't have any hope. They are, to borrow the words of the Apostle Paul, they're without hope. And without God in this world. I think what Peter's trying to do is inspire hope. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, he's saying, if you want to live with hope in your life, you need to be growing as a Christian. You need to be growing and going forward in your relationship to God. As we close today, let me ask this question. In looking at your spiritual life, and I mean just being honest and candid, when you look at your spiritual life, are you growing? Are you where you want to be? Are you where you thought you would be at this point in time in your life? If you're not, then here's what I want to challenge you to do. Make the decision. Resolve today that, you know what, maybe I haven't grown as I should. Maybe I haven't been what I ought to be. But you know what, God being my helper this day forward, I'm going to do everything within my power to grow as a Christian. I'm going to go back to the basics. I'm going to do just like they do when they go to football camp or spring training in baseball. I'm going to go back and I'm going to learn the basics. And I'm going to get back to the basics of growing in Christ. And this time next year, the Lord willing, I'm going to be stronger and more productive and more fruitful for the cause of Christ. But here's the bottom line. 
It's all on you. I can't make you grow. The elders can't make you grow. The members can't make you grow. You have to decide, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to grow. I'm going to be... I'm going to be what God would have me to be. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm going to do my best to be what God would have me to be in this life. Are you here today and not a Christian? If you're not a Christian, here's what I want you to know, that Jesus came and lived and died for you. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you believe that? Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God, as He said in John 8, 24? Would you repent of your sins? Would you give up the world for Christ? Would you be willing to confess before others you believe Jesus to be the Son of God, as the eunuch did in Acts 8, 37? Would you be baptized into Christ so that all your sins can be washed away, as Peter commanded in Acts 2, 38? Would you be faithful until death? Because you see, if you'll be faithful, the promise is to Stephanos, the victor's crown. Maybe you're here today, maybe you haven't been what you ought to be. Look, we'd be happy to pray with you. We're happy to pray for you. And we understand, we believe that God will abundantly pardon whatever might be wrong or amiss in your life. Won't you come as we stand and sing?